The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it, but admitted, I am not the Christ. So they asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you so we can give an answer to those who sent us? What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. This beautiful morning, it's kind of interesting that our gospel started out talking about the light and the light that was coming to our world. God sent us a beautiful, sunshiny morning here. And it's a little brighter in church than you might remember as we underwent an upgrade in our lighting just this past week. So if you noticed any difference, it's not just your eyes. It it is definitely a little different here. And of course... Today on Gaudate Sunday, Father and I are wearing these rose-colored vestments. I know several of you have already said I look good in pink, but they're actually rose. And the rose-colored candle on our Advent wreath is also burning brightly. This color is meant to remind us today that as we pause on our Advent journey to rejoice. The color is a visible reminder that no matter what we may be going through, no matter what is happening around us, As Christians, we are always people of the good news, people who are always called to rejoice. But today, of course, we especially rejoice because in just a little over a week, we will celebrate the birth of baby Jesus, the one our soul longs to encounter, the one who can make us whole, the one who can give meaning to our lives. And as we absorb the incredible news that God is getting so close to us, and he will ever be ever more intimately connected to us, we cannot help but rejoice. And we should be rejoicing from now until the day that Jesus returns on that very last day. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what scripture commands. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And we rejoice today, even in these difficult times, as war, violence, and conflict seem to bounce all around us, as mental illness, suicide, and bullying affect so many, and as we suffer through economic pressures brought on by inflation and a global economy. In spite of these and so many other personal problems that often affect us, we are still called to rejoice. I think one of the difficulties we have is understanding our call to rejoice is the fact that we tend to confuse pleasure and happiness with joy. Pleasure gives us feelings and emotions of happiness, but emotions come and go, for as we all know, happiness is fleeting. But joy should be, as Christians, it should be our state of being. Joy exists within our heart and soul that has nothing to do with what's going on around us in life. The theologian Henry Nguyen described the difference between joy and happiness this way. He said, while happiness is dependent on external conditions, joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, not sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away. Thus joy can be present in the midst of any pain or struggles or sadness that might be going on in our life right now. So that means when we're having a good time, yes, we rejoice. But even when things are not going so good, even when things are really down, we can still rejoice. As Christians, we know that the mercy and love that Jesus brings to our lives is so amazing that joy should permeat our very being. The substance and death of joy is something that old Ebenezer Scrooge didn't understand. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Scrooge from a Christmas story by Charles Dickens. And Scrooge is so famous, in fact, that his name is actually in the dictionary. But there's a scene in that first chapter between Scrooge and his nephew, Fred. When Fred comes to visit his uncle Scrooge, he's just bursting with Christmas joy. Fred seems to be the embodiment of rejoicing. He doesn't have much money. He lives a very modest life. But every year he invites his uncle Scrooge to Christmas dinner. And he enters Scrooge's office shouting, Merry Christmas, uncle. And of course, his uncle responds with one of the most famous lines of our time. Bah, humbug. And Scrooge goes on to say, What right have you to be merry? What reason do you have to be merry? You're poor. You have nothing. My friends, Scrooge is confusing happiness and joy. The same mistake that many of us also encounter. Scrooge might as well just say to us, What reason do you have to be merry? You live in the midst of violence, drugs, and inflation. But Fred answers with a true understanding of joy. He says, well then what right do you have to be dismal? What right do you have to be morose? You're rich. And indeed, Scrooge has lots of money, but he has a hardened heart, and in that hardened heart there doesn't seem to be even an ounce of joy. Fred is trying to get his uncle to understand that joy isn't about those external circumstances like wealth or comfort or even good health. It's a state of being caused by the fact that Jesus Christ has come, is coming, and will come again. But Scrooge, like many of us, 
Many in our world just doesn't get it. But then God sent him three spirits, and he eventually learns the difference between fleeting happiness and unending joy. His experience with these spirits can help us understand a little better, too. In our gospel today, John the Baptist told the people, There is one among you whom you do not recognize, for Jesus is walking among them, but they don't see him. And the solution to Scrooge's misery is right in front of him as well. But he doesn't see the love that that infant Jesus brings into our world. And so he is visited by spirits who help him look at his past, his present, and his future through new eyes. They force him to examine his life more closely. The spirit of Christmas past takes him to see his childhood and his youth, the lonely Christmases of his past, but also the love of others that he rejected, the joyful times and the many graces that he pushed aside because of his own selfish desires. But there's more in Scrooge in store for Scrooge and for us. For the spirit of Christmas present takes Scrooge to visit those people in his present life who understand, who embody true joy. His employee, Bob Cratchit, with his wife and children, especially with their youngest, Tiny Tim, who though ill and on crutches, is so filled with joy. And as Scrooge watches them in their humble and difficult experience, he sees that somehow they're still able to rejoice, especially Christmas. They don't have everything they want. It's not the life that they hoped for, but they're still able to take time at Christmas to rejoice over the many blessings they do have. It would do us well to consider who in our life, in our life, who are the Freds, the Bob Cratchits, and the Tiny Tims that God has placed among us? Who are those full of joy even in the midst of challenging time we live in? We would do well to pay attention and to learn from them. But you remember also there was another visitor, another final visitor to Scrooge, the spirit of Christmas yet to come. And he was a silent and forbidding spirit that showed Scrooge his likely future. And what he saw terrified him. For his future was dark and held no rejoicing. He looked at where he's been, where he is, and where he may be going. And slowly Scrooge begins to understand true joy comes not from money, not from power, but from a baby born in a manger. And finally, towards the end of our story, Scrooge is able to loudly proclaim as he rejoices when, he's, when he shouts, Merry Christmas. And something you should know about Merry Christmas, it's not just a nice phrase that we say this time of year. The word Christmas comes from an early English phrase, Christes Messe, which actually means the Mass of Christ. And Mary is nothing but another word for joyous. So when we say, have a Merry Christmas, it can be understood that we are really saying, have a joyous Mass of Christ. I pray that today and every day that you gather here, you will have a joyous Mass of Christ. And in just a few minutes when you receive the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, I pray that your heart and soul will be filled with a glorious and unending joy that only that little baby in the manger can provide. May we all rejoice always. And in the words of Tiny Tim, 
May God bless us, everyone.